0: You are listening to the Hot Tip Bets Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 34 of the Hot Tip Bets Podcast. College basketball season is just heating up. It's finally March. As John Rothstein would say, this is March. Um, we're finally here getting into some conference tournaments. You know, a couple of them. Already getting started this week, and well, even a couple getting started last week over the weekend here and stuff. Um, so we'll touch on all that news in this episode. Also hit on some breaking news in the NFL um, with some a little bit of Cardinals talk, uh, just a little bit hitting on the JJ Watt signing for the Cardinals. Um, but before we get into all of that news and picks for this week, let's take a look at how we did um, on last podcast over the weekend. We start out on Friday, um, February 26th. Now, we started out the weekend looking very good. <laughs> go 4-0 on Friday's um, card with four great games. First one we had, we had North Florida plus four taken on Stetson. North Florida wins this game outright, 79-74. Don't even need that four-point uh, spread. Um, Jose Placer puts up 20 points for North Florida in this game. Had a great game from him, and North Florida just shot the ball very well. From Beyond the Arc in this one. 41.9% from the three from them. Stetson on the other hand only hitting 29.4% of their shots. So get an easy cover there from North Florida. Next, we move on. We had Missouri Valley matchup between Drake and um, Bradley. Drake wins this game 80 to 71, covering the seven and a half point spread. Darnell Brody puts up a season high 21 points for Drake in this win, and Drake shot the ball very, very well in this game. 54.5% from beyond the arc, which is absolutely insane. Bradley, not a you know, not a terrible by any means at 30.8, um, but you know Drake almost doubled him up from beyond the arc in this game. So um, Drake gets a pretty easy win there. Not a pretty easy win. Sneaks by with the cover in that one. The next game we had on the card, we had Coastal Carolina. Taking on Troy. Coastal Carolina was six point favorites in this one. Um, Troy or Coastal Carolina ends up winning this game and covering that six point spread. As a Massalford, which I just completely butchered that name, <laughs> there's no way I got that right, but he put up 20, 23 points, 12 rebounds, gets a double double for Coastal Carolina in this one. Um, Coastal Carolina just out rebounded Troy in this game, 46 rebounds compared to Troy's 37. Um, and finally, the final game we had on Friday, we moved back to the Missouri Valley with Indiana state taking on Valparaiso, Indiana state, two and a half point favorites in this one, win this game pretty easily, 58 to 43, Jake LaRue puts up 22 points and 14 rebounds for Indiana state, getting a double, double for him. And Indiana state just did a very good job, not turning it over in this game, only turning it over, uh, 5%, or if not 5%, five times in this game. Um, while, uh, Valparaiso put, turned it over nine times in this one. So, um, Great start to Friday's card. Um, unfortunately, that was about the highlight of the weekend, because um, Saturday was not good at all. Now, we did have, originally on Friday's card, the Lipscomb-North um, Alabama game was supposed to be played on Friday. That game ends up getting, um, well, it was supposed to be a doubleheader Friday and Saturday. Ends up getting canceled on Friday, and they play just one game on Saturday. So, end up playing, taking that as a play on Saturday's card. So, we got seven plays in total on Saturday's card um and it just it started out rough from the beginning and got worse and worse first game we had we had notre dame minus six and a half versus boston college um boston college ends up winning this game outright 94 to 90 i'm getting their like i think it is fourth win of the season um or something like that you know boston college uh fire their coach and looking for a new one now but we're able to sneak by Notre Dame in this game. Boston College, you know, Nurse Longford puts up 19 points for Boston College in this game. Boston College has shot the ball very well in this one, 47.4% from beyond the arc While Notre Dame only hitting 34% of their shots. Um, so don't get the cover there for Notre Dame. The next team we had, um, I had a team that, you know, impressed me over the week. You know, Marquette beaten North Carolina earlier in the week. Um, had Marquette plus six here versus UConn. Uh, but UConn he took them, showed them the business, which took them to town in this game. UConn scored an 80, Marquette 62. Um, Jays Knight puts up 24 points for UConn in this game, having himself a heck of a game. And UConn only turned it over seven times in this one, While Marquette turned it over um, more than double that at 15. So um, not great for Marquette. Um, and speaking of that Lipscomb game, we move into that one. Lipscomb minus five and a half versus North Alabama. Um, now, North Alabama um doesn't even need the five and a half points to cover they end up winning outright 73 to 66 get a pretty big win then from there melvin james had a double double for north alabama in this one 13 points and 13 rebounds for him i um, mean just really struggled rebounding the basketball in this game only 27 rebounds for them in this one When north florida pulled down 40 so um don't quite get the cover well we don't even get the win in that one so <laughs> not a great game there Um, The next game on the card was, in fact, our only win for um, Saturday's card. And that was Ole Miss taking on Vanderbilt. We had Vanderbilt plus six in this one. Um, Now, Vanderbilt ends up winning this game outright 75-70. to And Trey Thomas had a very good game for Vanderbilt in this one, putting up 14 points um, for his stat line. And and Vanderbilt shot very, very well, 47.8% from beyond the arc. Ole Miss only 30.8% from beyond the arc. Um, And while Ole Miss is a very good defensive team, um, they weren't quite able to shut down this Vanderbilt team. Um, Vanderbilt ends up pointing out right, getting that win for us. <laughs> Unfortunately, it doesn't keep going though. So we move in. Um, next thing we had, we had Belmont minus four taking on Morehead State. Belmont actually loses this game, eighty-nine to eighty-two, getting their third loss of the season. Their second, their their first, or I guess their, I don't know how you want to say that, a back-to-back loss, <laughs> second loss in back-to-back. Um, Johnny Boone puts up twenty points and twelve rebounds for Morehead State in this one. I mean, Morehead State shot very well, forty-five point uh, or forty-five percent from the field. With Belmont only thirty-six point eight percent, and you know, Belmont needed—I don't really need this win. They, I, they don't need this win. But Morehead State—it's it's definitely a confidence boost for them. You know, Belmont going into the um, the Ohio Valley, the only team that looks like it'll probably be competing with them um, is more than likely Morehead State. So it'll be interesting to see how exactly all of that um, plays out here in the Ohio Valley Conference. Um, tournament this weekend but another uh disappointing or interesting loss for the weekend we had baylor taken on kansas now baylor um ends up losing this game outright 71 to 58 you know baylor's just been very slow coming off of their covid break david mccormick puts up 20 points for kansas in this game having himself a hell of a game and kansas shot very well 40 percent from the field baylor 34.8 from the field um, you know, it's not, when you look at it after the fact, it's not totally crazy. I mean, let's be honest. If you're a up-and-coming team in the Big 12, and you're, what's it, the game that I'm saying you're probably going to be most likely to lose, it's probably going to be the game against Kansas that you're playing um, at Allen Fieldhouse. I mean, since Bill Self showed up in Lawrence <laughs> in 2003, he has only lost 11 games um, in, in Fog Allen. So, I mean, the fact that he, he loses, like, just over half a game a season at home. Um, it's just an absolutely insane stat line. Um, so it, it's not definitely, definitely a crazy, you know, it's not crazy for Baylor to lose this game. And if Baylor's going to drop one, um, you'd rather them see it dropped Kansas than like, you know, Iowa State, who they almost lost to earlier in the week. Um, but Baylor really needs to get things turned around. Um, or potentially, you know, if they, if they lose too many more games could potentially work their way out of a one seed, which also probably wouldn't be the worst deal in the world for them. Cause we do know how, um, undefeated teams have historically played in the tournament and it's not that great. So, um, just be interesting to see how Baylor finishes out this season, but getting back to our results for the weekend. Another game we had, uh, had San Francisco taking on Pacific to close out Saturday's card. Pacific ends up winning this game 76-69, to so San Francisco does not cover that one-point spread. Uh, Perry Kirkle puts up uh, 17 points for Pacific in this game. Pacific shot the ball very well from beyond the arc, 40% from three. San Francisco, on the other hand, couldn't hit anything, 15.3% um, from three, so lose that game end up going one and six on saturday and let me tell you what it didn't get any better on sunday only had one game on the card sunday villanova minus 12 versus butler um not only did we lose this game but instead of covering the 12 point spread villanova lost by 12 so you know 24 points off the spread not something you want to see chuck harris puts up 20 points for butler in this game. And Villanova just could not shoot the basketball four seven 7.4% from the on the arc, which is a stat line that's going to lose you any game at any level. Um, Butler, on the other hand, 41.7% from three. So um, end up with a 5-7 and seven record on the weekend. Not the greatest in the world, but do still have two games in progress going on um, here Monday night. I'm currently recording before those tip off, but we had North Carolina taking on Syracuse plus one and a half and Arizona plus five taken on Oregon so definitely check the website um, also make sure you check bet stamp make sure you following me over there hot Tippets Chris all the pics um, when spreads get up are released on there daily so you can see up to the minutes um, lines on who I'm betting on what spreads I got um, all of it verified through their system and whatnot so definitely if you aren't following over there go over there and check that out but that's enough for the for the results over the weekend not the greatest weekend, but let's get into a little bit of a little bit of happier news. At least if you're a a Cardinals fan like me. Okay, have a little bit of a Cardinals minute here before we get back into college basketball. Even though this, you know, this is the college bat this is a college basketball podcast at this point in the season. Um, but JJ Watt has officially signed with the Arizona Cardinals. Two year deal for thirty one million dollars, twenty three million guaranteed. Um, which is a lot of money, no doubt, <laughs> especially um for a player like J.J. Watt, who is, I'm not going to say ending, or nearing the end of his career, but he's definitely, I wouldn't say J.J. Watt's in the prime of his career, you know, it feels like he's definitely taken a slight step back from where he was, Um, but he's still a very, very good competitor, you know, even if he is, you know, at 90 or 85 percent of what he once was, he's still a very good player, assuming he stays healthy, which, you know, he he played, he's played, he's missed a lot of games here um, in the past few years, seasons, but he's still also played Quite a few, and, and on its alignment, that's all you can expect. But I think the real, kind of real big thing that J.J. Watt brings to the team is his leadership. You know, Larry has always been, um, at least as of recently, <laughs> actually not, last 10 years at least, last 15 maybe, um, maybe not go back that far, but Larry has been kind of the, the piece that has held the Cardinals together, you know, the veteran leader on that team, and I think bringing someone like J.J. Watt in, um, is definitely going to help not only a lot of young guys, especially on defense, you know, with Isaiah Simmons and um, guys like Buda Baker. You know, definitely good players. We've seen Buda Baker obviously shine in the past. I mean, he's a, he's a pro bowler. Um, but taking that next step for the Cardinals, you know, I mean, heck, the next step is trying to make the playoffs. I mean, if the Cardinals can't make the playoffs um, with this roster, I don't know that they're ever going to. I don't know that we're, if we can't make the playoffs this year, this team's never going to get turned around. And it, it, it's just... We're just doomed for eternity with this roster. But <laughs> even with that said, um, the Cardinals, the Cardinals are in a, a very good position here. You know, I think with this news of JJ Watt showing up, um, we haven't heard what Larry's going to do from the season. Obviously, he's going to take his time, um, and, and I highly doubt that this is going to impact it too much. But it does seem from the outside looking in, um, I'm sure JJ Watt talked to Larry Fitzgerald. Um, before he signed you know I feel like you know as as co-walter payton man of the year award winners that seems like a, a bond that they would have pretty close to each other um, and they seem like they're both obviously very likable people throughout the NFL and I think JJ was going to offer something to the Cardinals um, more in leadership than even just playing but obviously the playing is what it comes down to and that really comes you know with the contract um, what does that look like for the rest of the Cardinals team you know um, cap space is obviously a problem in the NFL. And with guys like Hassan Redick um, as free agents looking to get paid, will the Cardinals bring him back or not? You know, you got Kenyon Drake um, <laughs> coming in, running back, and I mean, don't get me started on running backs. Um, if you're new here, my stance on running backs is that you should never pay a run. There, there is never a good reason to pay your running back. If your running back is making top five money in the NFL, you made a mistake because you shouldn't be you shouldn't be paying a running back. Just draft a guy. We've we've seen time and time and time again. You know, over the past ten years, you pay a running back. And then what do you end up doing? He ends up not being good in two or three years. You end up trading him. You end up cutting him. You end up doing something else with him. When the the backup would have got, yeah, maybe not quite as good, but he would have done 80% of what the the duty just paid, you know, career, you know, the, you just made the highest paid player. So, um, that is, I, I just don't see, I, we should, I don't want to sign Kenny and Drake, um, at least not to any th- crazy contract. You know, there are a lot of, um, free agent running backs, obviously this season, so, um, the market is a little diluted, but we'll have to wait and see how all that works out, but kind of is rambling on now <laughs> about the Cardinals, um, but definitely I'm happy to see J.J. J. Watt come to the Cardinals, brings me good, you know, I tried to, when, <laughs> when Hopkins uh, put that picture out on Instagram a few weeks back um, with J.J. Watt <laughs> um, coming to, with the Cardinal Cardinals uniform, I, at that point, I tried to Go unload some money on the card on J.J. Watt to be a Cardinal. Um, unfortunately, the books that I had money in, none of them. The one, the only one, only place I could find the that prop, um, place I was offering it had it up, but it didn't even. It had eight teams listed, um, and it didn't have the field listed, and the Cardinals wasn't one of those eight teams. Um, so unfortunately, I wasn't able to get any money in on that. But, <laughs> um, needless to say, J.J. Watt's a Cardinal. So, um, let's get back into some college basketball news. So we talked a bit a little about earlier in the recap, you know, Bill Self, um, only twelve losses at Fog Allen, um, but another coach over the weekend also hit a, a wins coaching milestone. You might say Roy Williams reaches ninetieth, ninety wins um, in his college basketball career, becomes the fifth coach in college basketball history, um, and it's just absolutely an insane accomplishment. You know, nine hundred wins um, is a feat that you know has obviously been accomplished five times, um, but it's it's still a crazy feat. No matter who's doing it. So, congrats to Roy Williams there. Um, And before we get into a little bit of conference preview, one game that I was watching over the weekend um, was the Oklahoma-Oklahoma State game. Now, great showing from Cade Cunningham this game, you know, led Oklahoma State um, to a a great win um, in overtime against against Oklahoma, you know, a rematch here Monday night um, as I record this. But one thing that I just annoyed the crap out of me in this game and I'm I'm sure I don't know I don't know how many people agree with this take but Dickie V is one of the most annoying announcers out there he would not shut up about Cade Cunningham for the entire like second half and maybe even more of the game wasn't paying a whole lot of attention the first half but for the entire second half all Dickie V would talk about is how Cade Cunningham was the number one overall pick in the NBA draft and he would not shut up about him. And it was just—it was so annoying. I could not like. It's, he was acting like there wasn't nine other guys on the court playing basketball. Yeah, we get it. Kid Cunningham, Cade Cunningham is a great player, sure. Um, but look at guys like Zion. I mean, Zion has had a whatever career in the NBA, for sure. But like, I, I don't get the—I don't get the you know crowning these number one recruits um, before they've really done anything. And this really isn't—this isn't hating on Cade Cunningham. I really do like Cade Cunningham. I think Oklahoma State is a very good team. I think they're one of the best teams. Um, in the Big 12 this year, this is all, don't take that the wrong way, this is 100% hitting on Dickie V, not Cade Cunningham, so getting a little bit of sick and tired of all the shit that <laughs> that Dickie V spouts on a regular basis, but um, <laughs> let's get out of that, let's talk a little bit, let's take a look at a bit at some of these conferences, so we have um, a few conference tournaments, you know, some some weird scheduling things this year um, because of everything, but um, there are going to be four tournaments that we're going to see concluding um, either on Saturday or Sunday this week. And we start out um, with the Ohio Valley first tournament to get done, going to be done on March 6th. Um, and obviously the big favorite in the Ohio Valley this year is Belmont. You know, Belmont um, only lost three games this season. However, two of those losses have come in their last two games. Um, so not not great for them. And the team that is on their heels that is the most likely team to upset them would be Morehead State, who just beat them um, in their last game. And it'll be very interesting to see to see see probably that potential rematch um, again coming this Saturday and what'll this Belmont team needs to do. You know, it's not like you know we saw a couple years ago um, with the John Morant uh, Murray State team and Belmont team um, both making the tournament. So there is definitely a case to be made that that the Ohio Valley could be a two bid conference. But in a season like this, um, I, I would guess that the the committee would almost lean towards a Power Five team. Um, or, you know, a high major team um, over a, you know, mid-major <laughs> Ohio Valley team. So um, Belmont definitely needs to be secure. You know, I mean, any team, to be quite honest, to, to be secure their spot, it needs to win their conference tournament. Um, but this is definitely a very big game for Belmont on this one. Um, and another game, or another, a couple other conferences here, one that will be ending on March 7th on Sunday with the championship game. we got the Big South. Now Winthrop is obviously the huge favorite here. You know, only one loss on the season. Um and that one loss coming to UNC Asheville, um, but and and there's really honestly I don't know who would even who would even beat them at this point, but if <laughs> for to lose this conference, but assuming that Winthrop does lose the Big South and they end up with two losses on the season, is win is is the Big South a two bid conference? You know, <laughs> would the committee put in a two loss Winthrop um over some other teams? I don't know. It's 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 a, it's a great question to ask. You know, two two losses in any college basketball basketball season um, is a heck of a feat. So um, that'll be an interesting decision if we see that. But this one thought team is very good and I, I would expect them to cruise through this big South tournament. Moving on to the Atlantic sun. Um, the favorite here is Liberty now, but they got a they got a kind of a sleeper too, who is quickly coming up on their tails in Bellarmine. You know, Bellarmine um, has been winning a lot of basketball games here to close out the season. And while they're not eligible for the tournament, so Liberty would, would likely um, get the auto bid from the Atlantic Sun, even if um, Belmont were to win the tournament. It is still a, it's still going to be a good championship game. You know, this bellarmine Liberty game, um, potential game that we got coming Sunday um, will be one of the better ones. So definitely excited to watch that. Um, and the final conference that I want to hit on here for this first little weekend um, of conference championships, we got the Missouri Valley Championship. Um, now, the two teams that stick out here are obviously Loyola Chicago and drake and you know both these teams um have made very good cases why they both deserve to be in the tournament um you know loyola chicago does have slightly better losses you know to wisconsin and richmond um and even one to drake drake on the other hand has had some some shaky losses here to end but they have still at the same time only lost three games this season um and it really comes down i think for drake whether or not they can get on the right back on the right track is if pimple um is able to play again you know broke his foot earlier in the season he's expected i think to see a doctor this coming wednesday um see if they can get him cleared whether or not it's going to be day to day after that or it's it's still up in the air but that's what drake needs if tim pill doesn't come back i honestly don't know that this drake team is even really capable of winning a game um in the tournament but who knows it's all matchup dependent um obvious (laughs) obviously can't can't be saying who's going to win or lose now you know Drake gets a good matchup, Lilo Chicago doesn't, and all of a sudden Drake <laughs> wins their way to the Sweet 16, and you know, it's it's a completely different story, so um, I really do believe that the Missouri Valley, is to be a, Valley will be a two-bit conference this season, it seems pretty inevitable um, at this point, I don't know which one of those teams they would even would leave out, obviously they would, they would leave out the way they didn't win the, <laughs> win the championship, I mean, that's what they would have to do, but if they neither them win the championship, that's where we get into a very strange scenario, so um, again, have to wait and see how all that shakes out, but that's enough for some conference previews. Let's get into some picks for this week. Starting out on Tuesday, March second, we start out in the MAC with Ohio taking on Kent State. Ohio is three and a half point underdogs in this one. Now um, Ohio has been playing pretty good basketball lately, and you know, coming into this game at the 117th ranked team in the Hot Tip Bet rankings. Kent State, on the other hand, coming in at 156. Um, and one thing that really sticks out about this um this Ohio team to me. Is just their really their ability not to turn the basketball over, only turning it over on sixteen point nine percent of their possessions. While Kent State, on the other hand, turning it over on nineteen point two percent of theirs. Ohio is also doing a very good job, just shooting the basketball in general. You know, fifty five point two effective field goal percentage for them. While Kent State only an effective field goal percentage of fifty one point one. And while their their three point shooting is very similar. You know, Kent State 34.2, Ohio thirty five point five. Um Ohio is just a better team in general on offense, you know, just top to bottom, um, more playmakers, you know, 48th in adjusted offensive efficiency for this Ohio team. Well, Kent State 93rd in adjusted offensive efficiency. So um really like Ohio plus the three and a half, getting some points in this game um, to cover that spread. Now the next game we got on the card, got an American matchup between Tulsa and UCF. Tulsa comes into this game 10 and 10 on the season, the 112th ranked team in the hot tip at rankings, UCF eight and 11 on the season, 125th in the hot tip at rankings. And while Tulsa has had a, a slightly better season, as far as record goes, uh, it doesn't always, you know, it doesn't always show necessarily in the stat line, you know, Tulsa has really struggled to shoot the ball from beyond the arc this season, only in 28.9% of their shots from beyond the arc. UCF, on their hand, a three-point shooting percentage of 36.7. Tulsa's also struggled to hit some free throws, only hitting 68.3% of their shots from the charity strike, um, while UCF is hitting 72.7% of their shots. Um, and UCF also just a better team, shooting team in general, 50.1 effective field goal percentage, with Tulsa, a 48.9 effective field goal percentage. But one thing that really sticks out about this Central Florida team is, is their offensive rebound. You know, pulling down 29.2% of the shots off the offensive glass, while Tulsa only pulling down 26% of theirs. And while Tulsa is the better team on defense, no doubt about that, you know, 65th in adjusted defensive efficiency for this Tulsa team, UCF is slightly better, or not slightly better, um, UCF on the other hand, 102 in defensive. But the UC, UCF team is slightly better on offense, 100th um, in adjusted offensive efficiency, while Tulsa Tulsa's 170th in adjusted offensive efficiency. They're not great on on offense for this Tulsa team so definitely like UCF at home um, in this one to cover that four point spread and finally the last game for Tuesday we got Detroit taken on Northern Kentucky now Detroit comes into this game um, as one point favorites um, in this one 12 and 9 on the season Northern Kentucky 13 and 10 on the season Um, you know this is a Horizon League um, conference tournament game Um, so Detroit you know both of these teams win or go home Um, at this point but Detroit has been playing very good basketball you know shooting the ball um, one of the better shooting teams in the country to be quite honest you know 80.3 percent from the free throw line I mean any free throw shooting percentage above 80 um, is obviously good Northern Kentucky on the other hand only hitting 70.1 which isn't you know is it the worst in the world but no 80 (laughs) that's for sure Um, and Detroit is also shooting the ball from beyond the arc very well too. 39% from three um, so far this season. While Northern Kentucky hitting 31.2% from beyond the arc. And Detroit's just a better effective field goal shooting team in general. Forty, uh, uh, f- uh, <laughs> 54.7% um, effective field goal shooting for Detroit. While Northern Kentucky in fight at field goal percentage of 51.2%. Um, and this Detroit team is really just doing a great job. Um, just not turning the ball over. You know, only turns it over on 16.8% of their possessions. While Northern Kentucky turning it over on 18.8%. And Drake, just a very not Drake. Gosh, I keep saying Drake. Detroit, um, a good offensive team in general. Sixtieth in adjusted offensive efficiency. While Northern Kentucky, one twenty-five. And while both these teams have had their struggles on defense, you know, Detroit two eighty-nine in adjusted defensive efficiency. Northern Kentucky two eighty-two. Um, I think this is really just going to be an offensive matchup, um, to, to, to you know, to no end, um, obviously. So, like Detroit minus the one um, against Northern Kentucky to close out Tuesday's card. Now, moving on to Wednesday's picks, we start out in the SEC with Florida taking on Missouri. Um, now, Missouri has been a very fun team to watch this year. Coming to this game, 14-7 on the season and the 45th ranked team in the hot-tip-bet rankings. Florida on the other hand, 13-6 and on the season, 18th in the hot-tip-bet rankings. Um, and while this Missouri team has been fun to watch, this Florida team um, has just been playing very good, low-key basketball, you know, Very good on both sides of the ball. 30th in adjusted offensive efficiency. 29th in adjusted defensive efficiency. Missouri on the other hand, not a bad 42 or 42nd on adjusted offensive efficiency. And 67th, not 67th, 66th on adjusted defensive efficiency. But this Missouri team um, just hasn't shot the ball nearly as well. Only hitting 31.6% of their shots from beyond the arc. Florida on the other hand, hitting 35.9% of theirs. Uh, Florida also shooting the ball from the free throw line very well, 75.6 from the free throw line for them. Um, Missouri, on the other hand, 69.6. Um, and Florida, just better better job pulling down the rebounds off the offensive glass for 31.3% rebounding off the offensive boards, while Missouri only pulling down 28.5. So definitely like Florida to cover the spread and take care of Missouri in that one. The next game on Wednesday's card, we got NC State taking on Notre Dame. NC State comes into this game. Uh, it's the 53rd ranked team in the hot pit bet rankings, 12 and 6 on the season. Notre Dame is 68th ranked team in the hot tip rankings, 9 and 13 on the season. Um, and this Notre Dame team, you know, it's a team that I've bet on quite a bit this season, um, but they just they just keep struggling. You know, they didn't they didn't look great um, over the weekend, but they're just they're stat wise they're just too good of a team, um, not for me to bet on sometimes here. And that's one this is one of those cases. You know, 37.1 percent. From the on the arc for this notre dame team nc state not uh, uh completely worse but you know a little worse 35.9 uh, from beyond the arc for them but notre dame is a good really good free throw shooting team 76.8 percent from the free throw line well nc state not nearly as well only 70.2 from the free throw line um notre dame an effective field percentage of 50 percent. nc state 52.8 um, Notre Dame also doing a very good job not turning the basketball over, only turning it over on 15.3% of their possessions, um, while NC State is turning it over on eighteen point six 9% of theirs. And this Notre Dame team, um, for the lack of wins, they are just a very good team on offense, 16th in adjusted offensive efficiency for them. NC State, on the other hand, 67th in adjusted offensive efficiency, so like Notre Dame to cover the spread and get the win there. Finally, closing out Wednesday's car, we move out west for a Pac-12 matcher between Stanford and USC. Um, now, USC comes in this game 19-6 on the season, Stanford 14-11. and 11. And USC kind of come out of nowhere in the Pac-12 this season, playing very, very good basketball, um, you know, only turning it over on 18.3% of their possessions, while Stanford is turning it over on 21.1. But perhaps the thing that stands out about this UCF team, not UCF, USC team um, the most is their ability to pull the um, ball off the offensive glass. 39.6 um, offensive rebounding percentage. Well, Stanford, on the other hand, an offensive rebounding percentage of 25.7. Uh, and USC also just doing a, a good job shooting the basketball, too. You know, 34.5% from being the arc for them. while Stanford only hitting 32.6% of theirs. And USC, just a great team on both sides of the basketball, 27th in adjusted offensive efficiency, 21 in adjusted defensive, um, wall Stanford, 120 in adjusted offensive efficiency, 38 in adjusted defensive efficiency. So even though it's a little bit of a bigger spread for USC in this game, like them to cover that one, close out Wednesday's card. Now, finally, moving on to Thursday, we start out, um, with a, a matchup, a very interesting matchup. We got Bellarmine taking on Stetson. Stetson comes into this one 10 and 13 on the season. Bellarmine has done a great job closing out the season here 13 and 6 um, in, coming into this game. Bellarmin Bellarmine um, has, has done a very good job in their first ye- uh, year in D1 shooting the ball, you know, th- 75.8% from the free throw line. Stetson, on the other hand, 706 Bellarmin Bellarmine also hitting 55.5% from the field with an effective field worse into. 55.5 5. Stetson on their hand, effective effective field goal percentage of 50.9. Um, and Bellarmine great job. Not turning it over. Only turns it over on 17.4% of their possessions. While Stetson turns it over on 19.5% of theirs. Um, this Bellarmine team is just a very good team on offense. 91st and adjusted offensive efficiency. Stetson 204 and adjusted offensive efficiency. So, um, like Bellarmine, uh, here against Stetson. Next this game we got on the card, um, got Florida Gulf Coast taken on Lipscomb. Florida Gulf Coast comes into this one, 9-7 on the season. Lipscomb, 15-11. Um, and Lipscomb, the 206th ranked team in the Hot Tip era, and Kingsville, Florida Gulf Coast, 272. Uh, now Lipscomb has done a great job shooting the basketball, 34.7% from beyond the arc for them. Um, you know, Florida Gulf Coast, 28.6%. Um, and while neither of these teams are great free throw shooting teams by any means, um, Lipscomb is slightly better, 69.5% from the charity strike for them. Florida Gulf Coast really struggling this year. Only sixty five point eight percent from the free throw line, um, and, and Lipscomb just a better shooting team. Under general. fifty one point seven percent effective field goal percentage for them. Florida Gulf Coast an effective field goal percentage of forty seven percent. Um, lipscomb also doing a great job not turning it over only turning over on 17.1% of their possessions while Florida Gulf Coast is turning over on 20.4% of theirs um, and lipscomb has got an offensive offic- adjusted efficiency of 178 while Florida Gulf Coast have adjusted offensive efficiency of 315 so like Lipscomb to take care of this one and get that one there and the final game on Thursday's card head out to the Mountain West got Wyoming taking on Utah State uh, Wyoming twelve and nine on the season. Utah State sixteen and seven. Um, and while I haven't been on this Wyoming team in a while, they were a team early on that I really really liked this year. Um, and they haven't necessarily lived up to that, you know, getting a, a pretty big number um, here against Utah State. Um, but they are still a good team to watch, and they're they're not as bad as some people, you know, say they are. You know, these teams are very similar um, shooting teams. You know, Wyoming hitting thirty four point eight percent of their shots from beyond the arc. Utah State hits thirty four point three. Um, Wyoming hitting seventy-one point eight from the free throw line. Utah State hitting seventy-one point five. I um, mean, Wyoming hitting fifty-two point seven effective field goal percentage. While Utah State an effective field goal percentage of seventy. Oh no, sorry, fifty point seven. Um, So, I mean, while they are very similar across the board in shooting, you know, Wyoming does <laughs> edge out Utah State in literally every category. So, you know, they they definitely have um, some skill as far as shooting, and they do a good job not turning it over, only turning it over on 16.1% of their possessions, but Utah State's turned it over on 19.9% of theirs. Um, and Wyoming honestly just has the better offense, you know, 81st in adjusted offensive efficiency, Utah State 92nd in adjusted offensive efficiency. So, um, really like this Wyoming team. Um in this spot, especially getting this many points. So, like Wyoming to cover here against Utah State. That about wraps it up for the picks for this week's episode of the Hot Tip Bets Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you go check out the website. All of the computer model picks um post up there daily. Currently got horse racing, NBA, NHL, college basketball picks getting released basically every day. Every day there's games going on, anyway. Um, which, at this point, in the season is every day. Um, also, Saturdays, you know, got UFC cards off there and the occasional Wednesday, depending on what <laughs> Uncle Dana wants to do. Um, and also, make sure you check out the rankings up on the website. Currently, got college basketball, NBA, and NHL. Um, MLB rankings will be up. Um, well, honestly, now later this month, since we are are now in March. You know, this is March. So, um, baseball just around the corner. we has got spring training um, up and going in full swing. Um, Also on the website, maybe check out the results, all the results posted up there for the podcast picks, as well as the computer model picks. Um, Also, something new for this week that I haven't talked about on the podcast yet. Um, I have been trying out a, um, you know, I've tried, as someone who has been betting for, you know, a few years here, um, I've tried a lot of, you know, sports tracking, betting tracking apps um, and, let, and if I'm be quite honest, most of them sucked um, don't really want to you know call any of them out But I just haven't really liked the experience. They all have problems. That I don't like but I kind of found one um, That I really like you know bet stamp has been a very great app for since I've been using it I really just like how it, it kind of just it, it just works, you know, and without all the nonsense um, There so definitely make sure you're following at hot tip. Gr- Bet's Chris on Betstamp. Um, you can you know, you can see all of my plays as soon as they're posted there um, you can set up notifications to be notified every time I put a new play in um, and you can see you know the day before before they're even up on the website you can see um, me to lock the lines in there so um, definitely take a look out there you know all the lines are verified on Betstamp, so you can see exactly what book um, got the line at so definitely take a look at that but also um, up on the website obviously got all the results there and also if you're not following me on Twitter and Instagram make sure you're following me there hot tip Bets, Chris Also make sure you're following the Hot Tip Beds main account on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Um, If you're watching this video on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, hit the like button. Definitely helps me out. So um, that about wraps it up for episode 34 of the Hot Tip Beds podcast, and I'll see you guys on Friday.